This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Tom Dempsey, CEO of the Snack Food Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the 2014 Farm Journal Forum. The 16th Annual Farm Journal Forum is set for December 10th and 11th at the Lowe's Madison Hotel in Washington, D.C. Register today at www.farmjournalforum.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with the Snack Food Association's Tom Dempsey next. The 16th Annual Farm Journal Forum will take place in Washington, D.C. on December 10th and 11th at the Lowe's Madison Hotel. The Farm Journal Forum is one of the most highly anticipated food and agriculture policy conferences each year, attracting a diverse blend of stakeholders, including farmers, government, NGO, industry, and academia. The format of the forum includes outcome-focused discussions and high-level speakers offering insider perspectives on the most relevant policy issues impacting agriculture. A unique aspect of this conference is that the content reaches across the United States to thousands of farmers and ranchers throughout a robust network of media partners and broadcast platforms. To register for the forum, visit www.farmjournalforum.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. This week, our guest is Tom Dempsey, the CEO of the Snack Food Association. The SFA is an international trade association representing members large and small all across the United States and around the globe. With a focus on interstate commerce, Snack Food Association members are very concerned about individual state-mandated food labels. While their members have no apparent concerns regarding the safety of food ingredients from genetically enhanced crops, they simply want a single federal law regarding GMOs and and food labels. Dempsey represents a wide range of business members and associate members who manufacture snack foods and the menu of products continues to grow. We've got what we would call the traditional core snacks of potato chips, pretzels, tortillas, cheese curl, popcorn, but we've also expanded into uh, meat sticks, uh, snack cakes, uh, health bars, really anything that's portable and eaten between meals uh, really fits into our category. Uh, We also have a broad range of size of members. Those We have uh, numerous uh, multi-category, multinational, billion-dollar business members, as well as the you know, one uh, popcorn popper, one potato chip fryer, uh, mom-and-pop business that uh, works in about a 10-county area. We have a long range of business members, both in size and in uh, manufacturing. Some would want to make snack a bad word, but snack is not necessarily a negative portion of the diet. It's, in fact, a, a big part of diets. And becoming bigger. Uh, some studies will say that Americans now are snacking anywhere from four to six times a day. Um, and a lot of those snacks do cover that wide range of food groups that I spoke about. And uh, there are many scientific studies that say that uh, a lot of the salt intake that's taken is not coming from your salt, salty uh, area or the snacks that we represent. So there's, a, there's varying degrees of science that say uh, whether, and that's what we try to stay away from, the good food, the bad food. We don't think there's a reason to put those, uh, those handles on any type of food. What trends are you noticing in consumers, in attitudes, and in diets, and how is it affecting your industry? Not an easy question to answer. I will say that the trends are uh, that people are looking for local grown, local represented companies to purchase. We're finding that the consumer trend, the person who's buying our products at the retail store, are trending uh, not just from women buyers, which normally have been the case, but male shoppers as well. So those are some of the trends we're watching. Uh, We are watching uh, a big growth in ready-to-eat popcorn. 
both in the number of manufacturers who are making it and also uh, in its sales um, data from IRI scan track information. So those are some of the trends that we're watching. What are the patterns that you find about the consumer today? Are they looking at the label? Are there, are they paying more attention to things or asking for different, um, different products than they did before? Well, I think you have seen that trend. I think you've seen many of our members, whether they're small or large, really expand their portfolio products to give the consumer choices, and the consumer is always looking for choices so that you've got uh, the regular core products, if you will, but you've got reduced fat or you've got reduced salt or you've got uh, lightly salted or no salted. Uh, you've got categories where uh, the savory uh, notes are bigger, uh, more spicy, as you see uh, the American population trend uh, with a very big Hispanic uh, uh, move in, in some of our markets, you'll see much more of a savory profile on the snacks. What would you say are the challenges and the opportunities that are before your membership now? Certainly, government regulation is always a challenge uh, to make sure that, and that's part of what the association tries to do, is to make sure that we keep the industry free uh, to, to be able to operate freely within the with, within the economic uh, structure of, of the country. Um, but that, that's probably our biggest challenge. Obviously, commodities are always a challenge, uh, making sure your pricing and availability of commodities are right. Um, so there's nothing I would say that is uniquely different today. Uh, some of it, uh, as business executives, you face all the time, and you, and you, and you make decisions uh, on the fly based upon the uh, factors around you. We've been raising in the country genetically enhanced crops for a number of years, and a majority of acres of soybeans and, and of corn uh, certainly are including traits that have been genetically enhanced. Uh, a big issue in the country about whether foods that include a certain percentage of ingredients that come from genetically enhanced crops, that it should carry uh, definitions on a label. Where does the Snack Food uh, Association stand in regard to labeling on genetically enhanced crops? We're a strong supporter of a bill that's currently in the House now from Representative Pompeo that will offer a federal solution to that uh, that will basically have one law for the land that will talk about how to label uh, genetically modified uh, products um, with certification and then also define the word natural. One of the challenges that our members will have if the current um, pattern of states taking on this issue uh, will be the ability to have interstate commerce and have multiple packages with multiple labels and multiple regulations to have to conform to. So we very much are against uh, each state enacting their own uh, genetically modified labeling uh, laws, but really, really believe that a federal solution is the right way to go. The voters in Vermont and their leadership have now have a, a labeling law for that state, and your industry is involved in that decision. Correct. And that's the first one that's passed into law that will be enacted in uh, July of 2016. We are challenging that law on a couple different legal fronts, uh, but primarily because we don't believe that any uh, initiative by states should take precedent over a federal solution. So with regard to Vermont, there are other states now that have considered this and will consider this again. What's your plea to those states, and, and why a federal standard? The, the, the cost of doing business would be greatly enhanced if every state wrote their own rule and regulation. You'd have to have packaging really specifically for that state. 
it's going to raise the cost of food, the end product to the consumer. It will make the whole stream of procurement of the agricultural products almost double. You'll have to have, um, in the agricultural business, you'll have to have corn that is genetically modified for some of your products and non-GMO for others. And as most of the folks who are probably listening to this knows, that you just can't switch over to non-GMO crops with the snap of a finger. It takes one, two, maybe three years to be able to procure those crops, to be able to even offer a non-GMO item when, as you just said, 90, over 90% of the corn is already genetically engineered, over 90% of the soybean is already genetically engineered, and cotton, which is also a frying oil that a lot of our folks use, all of our members use, is already genetically engineered. So you've got a significant portion of our commodity stream that is already genetically engineered and would cause great cost and pain to do it. I don't have one member who manufactures and sells only in one state. So we're already crossing over states. Our larger members are selling in all 50 states, but some of our smaller members are selling in three or four states. They cannot afford both through the distribution stream and the manufacturing stream to end up having double inventory on products. Do any of your members have concerns about ingredients that come from genetically enhanced crops? None that we are aware of. Certainly we follow all the scientific studies. Uh, this is a science that I think, think uh, backs that it is safe. This is one of the issues that I think is hard for our members to swallow um, when you've got all the data and science that says these are safe. Um, but I'm not going to argue the safe or unsafe. I'm not going to argue whether you should label or not label. Um, we will. We, we think it should be a federal uh, solution. And just as we do, just as my members do with every federal law, we'll follow it once it gets passed federally. It's going to be very difficult to uh, to follow and basically adhere to laws in multiple states. You mentioned a definition of natural. How about a definition of organic? And how does the, the non-GM, the organic, and then the mainstream supply, how do you handle that on a label? That's another argument, and I think you saw my background. I was president of a manufacturing a snack manufacturing company, and Organic had a certifying organization that certified that those products were organic. Back to the, the source of the commodity right through the whole manufacturing process was certified by a certifying organization that this product is certified organic. Obviously, if it's organic, it cannot contain genetically engineered products or uh, components, and then you use that as a marketing tool that you put on your bag, that certification, that set it apart from any of the other products. Quite frankly, that's what I believe GMO should be. In effect, if you wish to market, if you wish to source, manufacture, you should have the right, and there is a group that certifies that, um, uh, that will certify it uh, GMO free, and you put that on your bag and make the difference. We don't, at this point in time, make people put on their bags, non, this product is non-organic. Everybody knows that if it doesn't say organic, that it's non-organic. I believe the same footprint, the same protocol ought to be done for GMOs. How does the nation's view of dietary guidelines, how has it affected your industry? And as that is now being reconsidered and evaluated, what effect can that have on you? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, it's maybe a little out of my league here, but, but certainly the dietary guidelines are, the, you know, 
from my old school days is the pyramid and the food products on that. I think what's happened is um, the current definition of the dietary guidelines is taking in the, is broadening their scope where sustainability is in there and a few other things. So it will certainly have impact on us. It will have impact probably when we get into nutritional facts panel uh, and daily recommended uh, requirements and things of those nature. So, yeah, so we're concerned about it. We're concerned about the broadening of the scope of a dietary guidelines uh, and how it will impact the labeling on our product. You know, it's become a, a highly contentious issue, a very polar issue with regard to the schools uh, of the country, the, the lunch program, the nutrition programs that are there. And I would suggest that probably those guidelines have had an effect on your industry as well. They have. I, I got to tell you that a lot of our schools, a lot of our school business has already been changed. We, I think we were ahead of the curve on that. Um, uh, there was already guidelines that we um, signed on to on the Clinton Initiative that uh, limited the grams of fat, the amount of salt. So a lot of those guidelines on school menus uh, we were already adhering to in the industry. So uh, the fight, I think, with the school nutrition group is not necessarily with uh, with big business or big food business or any of the food purveyors that we've got. I think it has more to do with some internal politics uh, in that organization, not necessarily uh, with us as a food group. Tom, in consideration of the new Farm Bill, there were legislative proposals in both the House and in the Senate that might have been restricted for different types of food that a person could use with federal funds was the snack food industry were your products included in that and and what concern does that provide if legislation or regulation begins to control uh, what consumers are able to purchase certainly snack choice was an issue for us it, i don't know that the snack foods were targeted as such we were uh, i think foods in general were starting to be defined as good and bad and we just didn't think that was the right precedent to set um, and so we certainly were very happy that uh, snap choice uh, ultimately was um, renewed with the same broad um, authorization as it was previously. You know, I, f I find it interesting, and as we continue from that, while that legislation wasn't approved, I know that there has been discussion of providing a tax on sodas and a tax on other uh, types of food to generate revenue, but ultimately to control consumer dietary choices. Is that a concern? A tax on any food is a concern for us, whether it's ours or whether it's another category. Um, certainly those types of taxes have been uh, brought up in many states and have been voted down uh, with by, by either the population or the legislature. Uh, Tom, I'm interested. There has been a debate about hydrogenated and partially hydrogenated oils. Uh, decisions about that within pertaining to, to nutrition, how does that affect your industry? Well, we've done a survey on the partially hydrogenated oils, and again, the snack food industry really is ahead of the curve on this. Most of our members have eliminated those from 90% of their products, uh, and even in those that have not, they're looking for solutions to eliminate them. So the partially hydrogenated oil issue isn't the primary issue that we're at. We're, the biggest issue is the ability to uh, term that uh, or classify that as a non-gross item is a concern to us and what precedent it sets down the road. There are other big issues in the country, uh, the, the lame duck session, but primarily when the new Congress comes to town, the last two years of this administration and the decision beyond, 
are there regulatory issues or legislative issues that you see would be coming before um, the administration, before the Congress, that would have or could have a, a major or even a minor impact on your industry and your membership? Well, from a legislative standpoint, I think the Pompeo bill uh, will be a will be a big impact on our business if we can't find a federal solution to that. From a transportation issue, the 34-hour or 32-hour uh, restart rule, uh, rescinding that it would be a, a big boon to our transportation, not just our transportation, but anybody who's shipping into our members. Nutrition, though, I think may be at the top of the level of, of all of our issues, and that goes across a lot of regulatory uh, bodies um, and definitions. Tom, it's great for you to have been with us. We appreciate your time this morning. This segment is called Open Mic, so, sir, the microphone's yours. Uh, first of all, thank you for the time, and uh, we appreciate the interest in the Snack Food Association. As I said, earlier, Snack Food Association represents uh, not only the United States, but a worldwide organization that is both manufacturers, marketers of snacks, as well as the suppliers to that industry, whether that be the folks who make the fryers and the ovens and the seasoning and the commodities that we use for ultimately for our finished product. And uh, what we're trying to do as an association is ensure that uh, free commerce and free trade uh, allows our companies to continue to be successful as business people and be major your employers in their marketplace. Our thanks to Tom Dempsey, CEO of the Snack Food Association, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the 2014 Farm Journal Forum. The 16th Annual Farm Journal Forum is set for December 10th and 11th at the Lowe's Madison Hotel in Washington, D.C. Register today at www.farmjournalforum.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley. 